Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm on the board of Team DC. I've played and loved sports my entire life, and I've played with the DC Furies and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC and I'm a diehard sports fan. I play with many of the Team DC sports member leagues, including the DC GFFL, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, Kara Bowling, and recently the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. And I also do a little drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome everyone, Lauren Gabe here. It's July 20th and you're listening to episode 5 of Under the Bleachers. This week it's Laura's turn to choose our topics. For our discussion of all things queer, she chose the Doring Awards for television. For our conversation on all things sports, we're talking about the National Women's Soccer League Challenge Cup. And for the intersection of sports and queer, we'll discuss the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. After that, we're going to share our interview with Team DC member club, Adventuring LGBT Outdoors Club. Before we get into our topics, we always like to give you an update on Team DC. But with all events on hold because of COVID-19, we don't have much to update you on. We will be hosting a virtual sports council meeting in September, and we're beginning the planning phases for a virtual sports fest event and a virtual challenge cup event this fall. So we hope to have more updates soon. One Team DC project that is not on hold is this podcast. We're bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to subscribe. iPhone users can find us on Apple Podcast. Android users can find us on Google Podcast. Or you can listen on Spotify or download the Podbean app for free on any smartphone. Wherever you listen to podcasts, remember to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes and so you can help us become huge podcast stars. While you're at it, you can rate and review the show too. And always remember to share us with your friends because friends don't let friends miss out on Under the Bleachers. And now here's Laura with our first topic in this week's trip, Under the Bleachers. All right, here we go. My uh, topic in the world of all things queer this week is the Dorian Awards for television. The Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Critics is a nonprofit association whose membership consists of 270 professional journalists who write about television and film. According to the Society's website, its members write, quote, for reputable media outlets in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the U.K., these outlets run the gamut from magazine to radio, regional to national, trade to consumer, and LGBTQ-centric to mainstream. And the website also states that the association's purpose is, one, to remind the world, including bullies, bigots, and at-risk LGBTQ youth, that our community, with its distinct history and perspective, often leads the way in heralding unique, powerful, and exciting film and TV. Two, to champion the art of witty, wise, and historically knowledgeable film and TV criticism and entertainment journalism. And three, to provide camaraderie and career support in a time of change and uncertainty in the media. In 2009, the association's Dorian Awards were formed. Again, according to their own website, quote, the Dorian Awards honor the finest in movies and television across the board, not only gay stuff. The awards are named with a wink to our patron saint, the inimitable Oscar Wilde, of course. This year, for the first time, the Dorian Awards are split into two separate sets, one for movies and one for television, and the nominees for this year's Dorian Awards for television were recently announced. 
The Dorian Awards include categories you are used to from other awards shows, including Best TV Drama, Best TV Comedy, and Best Performance Actor and Actress. But the Dorian Awards also offer a few unique categories, including Best LGBT TV Show, Best TV Musical Performance, Best Unsung TV Show, and Campiest TV Show. So Gabe, I thought this was really interesting when I read about it this week. Have you ever heard of the Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Critics or the Dorian Awards? I have not, and I'm really interested to uh, learn more about them. This is kind of cool. Yeah, so as a person who's a total like awards show fan, <laughs> I am shocked that I've never heard of this, and it's been around for apparently 10 years. Like, <laughs> but I, I don't think that – it doesn't say much for their marketing because – you know, with these categories, it sounds like it would be a really fun uh, set of awards. Um, and if I haven't heard of it, and I'm like obsessed with award shows, I'm sure not many other people have heard of it either, right? I'm really interested to see who are the voters or who, if you know, there's cross sections between other award shows and stuff like that. So on their website, yeah, so on their website, it talks about how they have a democratic system. So I think it's like one person, one vote. So if you're a member of the society and currently as they let us know, I I don't know, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say whoever wrote the website for this organization (laughs) is a little too proud of themselves. But, (laughs) you know, in any event, they tell us that their uh, society is made up of 270 professional journalists. Uh, who write for reputable media outlets. Uh, (laughs) So whoever those 270 people are, I gather they're the ones who probably are voting um, based on the description on the website. Interesting. So I don't know who those people are, but, uh, you know, anyway, I have to say, like, the whole thing, like, the categories and everything sounds super fun to me, so it made me, like, want to learn more about it, but then when I read this organization's website, they all just seem so self-important from the website that I'm kind of like, I might hate their opinions. (laughs) Who are these people? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, I thought we should just take a look at a couple of the bigger categories and see what we think. Um, So, let's get into some of the nominees here. Uh, The nominees for Best TV Drama, which is usually seen as kind of the pinnacle of any award show, right? They nominated Better Call Saul, Killing Eve, Ozark, The Crown, and The Good Fight. So, do you have any thoughts? Um, I haven't seen any of these because I'm horrible (laughs) and it's quarantine, but they're on my queue. I know Ozark is on my queue and The Crown is on my queue. All right. Uh, well, so I so my first reaction to this when I saw Better Call Saul is like the first one. I'm like, is this like 1999? Still- like I don't know. I know like Better Call Saul is not that old, but it feels stale to me by now. Like I I kind of think like Better Call Saul can't possibly be still at the top of your choices. Well, I feel horrible, but is it still on? <laughs> I don't. I have. No I, I really don't know. I, I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. I never even got to the end of Breaking Bad, and so I've never seen. And I've never seen an episode of Better Call Saul. Now, that doesn't mean it's not good, right? I've heard rave reviews for this show, but I just feel like with the amount of television, just the sheer volume of content that's out there these days, you can't tell me that that's still at the top of your list. I just, I don't know. Um, Killing Eve, I, everybody loves this show. People go on and on about it. A lot about it. That's why it's on my queue. 
I couldn't even get through the first episode. It was so, <laughs> I just was like, I don't know why people like this other than the fact that Sandra Oh is in it and she is hot and she can do anything. And I, exactly. I absolutely love her, but even she did nothing for me in this show. So I just, <laughs> I don't get, I don't get it. Now Ozark is a show that I love. So I'm, I'm uh, if I had to pick from this set of shows, I would pick Ozark. I think Ozark is phenomenal. I think you should get on that and write it. And uh, watch that. Move it up to the top of your queue. Definitely move it up above Killing Eve. That's okay. my, my rec. Um, but, so The Crown? You haven't watched The Crown? No, because I, I know I wanted to get into it. And now that uh, Olivia Coleman's on, I was like, okay, I definitely have to watch this. But I want to start from the beginning. Yeah. So I would watch Olivia Coleman do anything, right? Olivia Coleman is gold. Uh yeah, she Television. was great favorite. Have you seen The Lobster? She was amazing in The Lobster. I have not seen The Lobster. <laughs> That's a weird movie you need to watch. Okay. Well, the thing about The Crown though is like I have watched it and it's fine like I watched it all the way through. I was entertained enough, but like <laughs> the fact that somebody wrote an entire dramatic television show around a family who like doesn't do anything is like amazing <laughs> to me. Right? Like, of course, they have some like petty behind the scene drama. And by the way, Helena Bonham Carter plays the, oh, young, yeah. the young version of the Queen's sister, and she yes. is everything. Like, it's great. She's really great in it. But it's like, so they have some quirky behind the scenes drama. But for the most part, these are people who have no jobs, who have no responsibilities. And I'm like, there's just nothing very dramatic about this. It's just rich people with nothing to do. <laughs> But I've, uh, I've seen some stuff on YouTube where they put the side-by-side -side playbacks of the actual historical events and then yeah. how they dramatize it in The Crown. I was like, okay, they, they were pretty close. Yeah. You know, filled I mean, in a couple I, things here and there, but... I will say the women, um, the actresses are all really great and they have great performances in the show. So I definitely say it's worth watching. Okay. But again, it doesn't feel to me like that is like the cutting edge new drama out there on TV that should be okay. on your top five list. Well, and the, the tough thing is that because of quarantine, all production is pretty much canceled for the year. So yeah, but these are for le like, these are for seasons that ended right before quarantine, these nominations. Yeah, right? I need to see. What, yeah, what, what was the timeline for these, uh, <laughs> for these uh, nominations? All right, well, I'm gonna go out and just say, Based on this category alone, I'm a little skeptical about who these television critics are and whether they have good taste in television. So forgive me, but I don't know. All right. <laughs> but so, who's your favorite? Who are you predicting? Well, do you mean like of any show that's not nominated? or Because of the nominees, I would say Ozark is. Ozark I've, is so I've seen three of the five uh, three of the five nominated shows I've seen. Two of the five I have not seen. Um, but of the ones that are nominated, I think Ozark is the best. But I mean, there's just, it just feels like they're missing something. I don't, and I can't even put my finger on what it is. Um, but is there really not newer content out there than Better Call Saul? I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, ooh. All right. So let's move on to comedy. So for, okay, their, um, for their comedy nominations, they have Better Things, okay. Dead to Me, Insecure, Shit's Creek, The Good Place, and What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. All Some right. of these so, I have seen. 
Well, so they've seemed to like have redeemed themselves a little bit here. And I, I guess to me, maybe what this is telling me is that for the first time in a long time, I'm preferring television comedy to television drama. Like for the longest time, I didn't even watch sitcoms because I thought they were all trash. But now I'm like really getting into there's some really great comedy out there right now. Um, Dead to Me is so great. Have you watched Dead to Me? Uh, I'm going to start it. It's also okay. on my queue. <laughs> well, it's Christina Applegate and yeah. uh, what's her name? Linda Cardellini. Two seasons, right, already? Yeah. The it's, the, it, where they kill the husband or the husband dies or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's good. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing because there's like some plot twists. But yeah, you okay. definitely need to watch this. And those two women together are pretty, pretty good, like for comedy. Um, Insecure is so good if you haven't watched that. Um, that's, uh, I think it's Issa Rae's show, is it? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's excellent. Schitt's Creek is the best, the best content on television, and I don't care that it's five years old great. at this point, but Schitt's Creek oh, yeah. is absolutely the best content on television. It took a while for, pe- for it to get a following. Um, yeah, but I don't know no, what was great. wrong. It, it actually took me a while to get into it, but once I sat down and watched it, I was like, I've watched every episode like more than once. It's just so good. Um, the Good Place is a show that I love. Although again, that show just ended. So even though I absolutely love that show and thoroughly endorse having it on any list of the best comedies on TV, I'm like, how is that still your top five when it's in its how last season? Like what? Yeah. And then what we do in the shadows, I actually have not. Watched. Um, it's hilarious. Yeah. I love anything. Have you have you seen the movie first off? No. Okay, so it's Jermaine Clement from Fly the Concords, Taika Waititi. Uh, basically, you know, they did a mockumentary movie a couple of years ago, same name, What We Do in the Shadows, about three vampires that live in a house in New Zealand. And it's like, here's our day, living as vampires <laughs> in the house. And like, you want Jermaine's flying around, vacuuming, you know, he's a vampire cleaning the house. Uh, so, but then they brought it over to the U.S. and it's, you know, the different right. vampires and stuff, which I love. I love. I mean, I a- love vampire content. So I'm, you've got, you've sold me on that. The one character I love is he's the energy vampire and he goes around <laughs> at work and steals people's energy and makes them fall asleep <laughs> in their cubicles he's just like by giving- boring them to death with their stories. <laughs> What he's just story? like dropping yeah. in and like turning on the narcolepsy like for yep. people. And just stealing yeah. everyone's energy <laughs> pretty great all right i have definitely have to check that out but i don't know this feels like a it feels like a better quality list to me than their list of dramas although i guess i'm being a little um I'm being a little petty because these shows are all pretty old too. I mean, Schitt's Creek, like five seasons, I think. Good Place, last season. Uh, Dead to Me is new-ish, but again, that's not a brand new show. So I don't know. I mean, these TV critics, if this is what they <laughs> do for a job, I feel like they might be uh, slacking or something. But yeah, I'm in quarantine for this list. Can Who we do you think is going to win? <laughs> well, I mean, for me, Schitt's Creek, should great. win every award for anything <laughs> ever um so that would be my pick but i really love dead to me also and i really love insecure and i love the i mean i love these are shows that i truly <laughs> love like but if i had to pick between them it would definitely be Shit's creek okay you have a choice um i'll go with Shit's creek yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean dan levy oh that guy all right, so moving, in, moving on to one of the categories that is unique to uh, the Dorian Awards, they have a category 
for LGBTQ TV shows. And here are the nominees. I keep cracking up because every time you say Dorian Awards, I think of Dorian Corey. So <laughs> can you please? <laughs> it's supposed to make you think of Dorian Gray, Gabe. Can you name, can you uh, uh, recite the nominations in your best Dorian Corey accent? No, I don't do accents. <laughs> Uh, the nominees are Bad Education, Hollywood, RuPaul's Drag Race, Schitt's Creek, Vita, We're Here, and Work in Progress. Okay. So I've not seen uh, Work in Progress or Vita. Vita was amazing. Okay. Yeah, Vita, Vita is great. And uh, I'm a little biased. Like My friend told me to, to watch it a couple uh, years ago because it was the third season this year. It got canceled early, so it kind of ended in a weird way. Uh, um, but it's basically, uh, I guess, Hispanic Chicano culture just thrown on the screen. So that's I'm a little <laughs> biased towards it, but it's like the East LA version. Uh, it's about two sisters who they, they grew up in East LA. They leave, uh, and then they find out that their mother has died. And she owns a bar and a, a business there in their neighborhood. So they have to come back. One lives is like a kind of very millennial girl from San Francisco has to move back. The other one's a straight laced, hardcore kind of, uh, you know, pretty intense uh, lawyer from Chicago has to move back and they get thrown into, you know, Hey, we're back running our business. But then there's like the secret lesbian subplot that the mother was lesbian and ah. you, meet, you meet her wife and it was like, what? But then one of the daughters got kicked out of the house for being a lesbian and it's just oh, insane there's drama. a lot of drama but it was great it was a okay good, i mean it, it was, sounds like something i would definitely get into so it i was would a, check that out yeah it was a good mix of like representing queer culture in la and also kind of hispanic culture so i really loved it like that blend that you really don't see and kind of right. the struggles like i watched it with my boyfriend and he didn't understand some of the cultural things because he's like what do you mean they're talking about this and that? I was like, well, I'll explain it to you later. Like, you mean because he's white? But it's great. <laughs> well, some of the cultural stuff, but also like some of like the, the queer stuff. And I was just like, yeah, that's a, that's a different queer culture from a different, you know, right, group. Right. So gotcha. yeah, it's going to be different. All right. I mean, you, that's a, that is a really good uh, endorsement though. You've made me want to watch it. Um, but Definitely it brings up it. something that I was like thinking, which is I, they don't really explain what they mean by LGBTQ TV show. And yeah. so that leaves an awful lot up to interpretation. And looking at the list, I'm like, well, you know, it's clear that just like any kind of LGBTQ storyline would qualify you for this category, which is fine. I mean, there's not that many shows that are like fully all the main characters LGBTQ or produced LGBTQ, like whatever. But that just begs the question is like, how dare you put together a list of the best LGBTQ TV shows and not have Pose on the list? That is true. How I didn't even notice dare that. you? <laughs> it was just, oh, Billy Porter is somewhere <laughs> in somebody's wig off. I was just, like, you gotta be kidding me with this. Right. Wow. I mean, Even for this category, you would think. I, this is what I'm saying. I'm like, it almost, <laughs> like, it immediately makes me think that they're, like, disqualified from even running this awards show. Just for the, yeah. I didn't even, wow. I, I can't. I mean, what other show has all of the main characters are LGBT, all of the storylines are LGBT, LGBT focused, 
it's most of the episodes are directed by LGBT people. It's produced by LGBT people. It's, it is the LGBTQ TV show. <laughs> that, that is true. Is. So it, it by definition is the best, right? But like, so that, but also the second season of Pose, the, it was really good. I don't know if you've watched the second oh, season. Oh, it was really good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, putting aside the fact that like, it just has the most representation. So it should just be in the category by default. It is. It was phenomenal television. So I'm, I'm disgusted. Were they afraid that they were going to win automatically? That's why they didn't put them in. I don't know. That's <laughs> <a> terrible, <laughs> terrible answer. You know like, what? Let's if you're going to have an award show and have the category of LGBTQ TV, it's presumably because you realize that LGBTQ TV gets ignored in other award shows so all the more reason for this whole award show to be just a big excuse to tell everybody in the world how great pose is and to watch it yeah oh i am I, i just can't with this but you know um two of the shows that we've already talked about on our podcast we are here and rupaul's drag race have appearances in this category and i um i i think in this category i would vote for we're here um because even though i love schitt's creek Schitt's Creek has a really lovely LGBTQ storyline. Um, but I think for the category of best LGBTQ show, I would vote for We're Here. It's just so uh, delightfully queer. I'm going for Vita again, but I'm also going to do a write-in category. I think we should uh, lobby the Dorian Awards and do a write-in for Pose. I mean, start obviously. A start a campaign and just, you know, be like, hey... We choose how, Pose, sorry. How dare you? I'm going to look into how we, can, uh, how we can reach them as soon as we get finish recording this episode. That is true. You know, I'm a, Ra- I'm a Razzie voter. You can be a Razzie voter. You pay oh. 20 bucks and well, have to watch horrible movies. I don't like terrible movies. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm all in on RuPaul's Drag Race these days since we, Yay. Since we spoke Which- last week. I'm now on <laughs> season five. <laughs> <laughs> enjoying it i really am i some of these cat- characters i hate like i really do <laughs> i did not like raja yeah. i just i hated her whole powdered wig shtick it just <laughs> give me a break um she was also yeah because she was on america's next top model as someone who would help tyra and help I mean, the, I've never seen America's Top Model, but I get, I got that from watching every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race where she talked about how she knew Tyra Banks. I was like, girl, I heard you the first 12 times. <laughs> Enough already. Also, she just loved herself so much about how good she was at runway, but I thought she looked like she was going to tip over every time. Like, she bent so far <laughs> fucking backwards. I just thought she was going to fall over every time. And I'm like, if this is what passes for good on the runway like this is why i'm not into high fashion this is not what about bianca del rio that was season i that name is not familiar to me yet oh you're not there yet that's right never mind you're gonna love her i I don't know if no i just i guess my overall feeling about the dorian awards is i am kind i was excited to learn that they exist but then the more i look like sort of delved into the categories and the nominations i was not that excited or like feeling compelled to to like actually tune in to see who wins so are they gonna be broadcast or how are they gonna show the the i I don't know i'll have to do some more research on this and we'll follow up on this but uh i i I feel like what really needs to happen is somebody needs to infiltrate the society and just take the dorian award idea but do it better could we do that 
I mean, if you start <laughs> if you start writing for a reputable news outlet, maybe they'll let you in. <laughs> the Team DC Sportsgram doesn't count. I I mean, you know, the, this organization, what they think is reputable, I do not know. <laughs> I'll I'll I will uh, report back as to whether we can actually watch the Dorian Awards, and we'll follow up on this later. Oh, did you wait? We didn't pick who's who. Do you want to win for the the campiest show? Oh, the great, definitely. The great. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Huzzah! <laughs> All right. So moving on uh, to my sports topic this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the National Women's Soccer League Challenge Cup. So first of all, they stole the name of our fall fundraiser. <laughs> How dare How they? Dare they? <laughs> but, you know, good name, good name. I'm going to get a cease and desist letter soon. I know I should have trademarked that. National Women's <laughs> League. <laughs> In May, the National Women's Soccer League announced that the league would return to action after its season was disrupted by COVID-19 with a tournament, the 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup, kicking off on June 27, 2020. The tournament was originally expected to include all nine of the league's teams, but on June 22nd, the Orlando Pride had to withdraw from the tournament after six players and four non-playing staff members tested positive for COVID-19. Tournament was revised as a 23-game, eight-team tournament. The entire tournament is being played in two venues with no fans in attendance. The first round of the tournament featured no eliminations, but framed the seeding for the quarterfinal round. Tournament favorite, the two-time defending league champion North Carolina Courage, took the top seed, with our hometown favorite, the Washington Spirit, earning the number two seed. The quarterfinal matches were played Friday and Saturday and were exciting, tense, and full of penalty kicks. The first match saw an upset win as the Portland Thorns advanced to the semifinals with a 1-0 win over the North Carolina Spirit. In Friday's second game, the Houston Dash outlasted the Utah Royals on penalty kicks after playing to a 0-0 draw in regulation. On Saturday, hometown favorite the Washington Spirit was edged out by Sky Blue FC on penalty kicks after playing to a 0-0 draw in regulation. And in the final game, the Chicago Red Stars won on penalty kicks, again after playing to a 0-0 draw against the OL Reign. The semifinal matches will be played this Wednesday, July 22nd, and the finals of the tournament will be played Sunday the 26th at 1230 Eastern and will be broadcast on CBS. Sorry to see the spirit sent home after the quarterfinals, but happy to see the National Women's Soccer League back in action for sure. Um, Gabe, I know you're a soccer fan. Are you planning to check out the women when they hit the field on Sunday for the finals? Yes, I'm really excited that we can see some American soccer being played. I um, know. It feels good, right? This quarantine, yeah. Yeah. You know, I as I was typically I was bummed that up to the finals, everything is on CBS All Access, so you need like a special subscription. Special code, yeah. And I get like that that's soccer is always like that. But in this day and age when there's no damn sports, like why can't they just make this available to everyone for free? I don't understand why they didn't make a big deal about this. Well, you know, just said, Hey, we have, Oh, I know why, but you know, like, <laughs> Hey, people want sports. Here you go. We have a actual tournament that's going on right now. Yeah, This is what I'm saying. Like, it seems like these, these channels are really just missing out on obvious opportunities. Like, and if there were more like soccer of this caliber being played with U.S. teams, I think more people would watch more soccer. You know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't think enough people like soccer. Well, maybe that's because you don't put it on TV and they don't get a chance to fall in love with it. Exactly. <laughs> 
Because yeah. I remember uh-huh. every Sunday growing up, almost Saturdays too, but every Sunday, uh, my dad would just be watching soccer or football, would be watching football. it all afternoon. And it was just, you know, his favorite teams and all the Mexican teams and national teams. But every Sunday, that's what we did. Yeah. And watch now soccer you, and on you TV. Soccer, right? Like, oh, yeah. We need more soccer content in the United States of America, and we need more women's sports content as well. All right. All right, well, so Sunday, this Sunday coming up is going to be the finals. That's right. This Sunday coming up, tune in. It'll be broadcast nationally on CBS at 1230. All right, so moving on to the final topic for the week, um, our topic at the intersection of sports and queer, let's talk about the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Woo-woo. Ooh. I know. Sexy. This year, Sports Illustrated will feature its first openly transgender model for the magazine's annual swimsuit issue. Valentina Sampaio was named a 2020 Rookie of the Year for the upcoming issue that hits stands on July 21st, marking the first time a trans beauty is featured on the pages of this iconic publication. Valentina posted the news on Instagram with a statement, quote, I am excited and honored to be part of the iconic Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, The team at SI has created yet another groundbreaking issue by bringing together a diverse set of multi-talented, beautiful women in a creative and dignified way. This is not the first time Sampaio has broken barriers for trans models. Last year, she was hired by Victoria's Secret as the lingerie brand's first openly trans model. And in 2017, she became the first trans model to appear on the cover of any edition of Vogue after posing for Vogue Paris. So, Gabe, were you surprised that Sports Illustrated made this choice? Uh, I was a little surprised, and I'm surprised that they hadn't done it earlier on. Uh, but because I do remember when she was hired by Victoria's Secret, and that was a big deal in 2019. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. So the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue has always been a confusing thing to me. Like, So <laughs> I struggle with even how to say this, but like, I don't understand why it's not all athletes as opposed to models. Like other than, you know, I guess at the beginning it was really just an excuse to sell a a magazine with hot ladies in bikinis, but it always does confuse me about like picking models to put on a swimsuit and put it in sports illustrated. Like I always thought it should be more like Serena Williams in a bathing suit. Um, Or like, well, they do the body issue. That's yeah, true. yeah, yeah, and which is mostly athletes. But yeah, I'm surprised. So I don't. So I don't know. I the swimsuit issue, to be honest, is always a little confusing to me. But and uh, why is she a she's a Sports Illustrated swimsuit 2020 rookie? Yeah, I don't. Even, I didn't even I know, know that. that. I, apparently, that's a thing with the swimsuit edition. I didn't. I, I. I don't. I don't follow the uh, swimsuit edition culture that apparently exists out there. Um, but you know, Sports Illustrated does seem to be um, breaking down barriers and doing things. So I applaud it. I'm all for it. She's gorgeous. Oh yeah. Um, I'm sure she's going to look amazing in the magazine. So that's not um, anything to be questioned. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything to say about it other than I wanted to highlight it because yay for more representation and good for her and good for Sports Illustrated. I feel like I don't know anybody who still reads Sports Illustrated, so maybe I should go like get a subscription to help them out since they're doing good things, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, how the country and how you know the sports fans take it, but it should be fine. I mean, 
she's beautiful and what does it matter that she's a transgender you know model i mean it matters not at all it matters but it shouldn't you know it shouldn't really matter that much well it matters only in the sense that because there's not enough representation we should yeah there is representation but it, it obviously shouldn't matter for um the people looking at it what's yeah exactly i think what i almost would have liked is like if the they had waited until the edition came out and like let it simmer in the bible belt for a while and then, and then... tell everybody <laughs> oh by the way we for the first time featured a trans model in this issue and see how um see how some of those people reacted then but because I'm sure now you're going to have a bunch of people like yelling about boycotting Sports Illustrated in advance before even looking at it. Yeah, exactly. Who probably hadn't even seen it or just but just heard the word transgender. Like, we're going to boycott Sports Illustrated. Like, there are going to be people who never would have bought the damn magazine anyway, but all of a sudden they're going to call for a boycott because they don't know how boycotts work. I'm waiting for, what is it, a million moms or whatever to come out. Oh, with, that's right. <laughs> with some sort of anti-Sports uh, Illustrated campaign. Ooh clutching their pearls (laughs) i'm sure you know a million moms is buying the sports illustrated swimsuit yeah i'm sure that that's what's going to put sports illustrated like you know under but yes but i'm excited she looks beautiful i'm looking at some of the pictures right now and it's kind of amazing Um, yeah i look beautiful model she's so i mean she's hot like any woman who like is a model professional model is gonna look great and then, you know, you have this amazing platform. SI does, like, a really great job with that edition, like, every year. I th- good, for, uh, good, for, good for her, good for Sports Illustrated, good for us for getting to see more hot ladies in bikini. <laughs> I, I hope that you were as excited about my topics this week as I was about yours last week. I am very excited. This is a good topic. <laughs> Always fun to chat with you, Gabe. Okay, that's this week's Under the Bleachers Roundup of Things Queer, Things Sports, and the things at the intersection of sports and queer. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to share our interview with the Adventuring LGBT Outdoors Club. All right, today we have Bill Horton and Jeff Hughes from Adventuring, uh, part of uh, one of the groups, part of uh, Team DC. Um, Hi, Jeff and Bill. How are y'all doing today? Doing good, doing good. Very good. So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, adventuring and what exactly uh, you all do? Let's see. We're a uh, we're an outdoors organization, and we have been around, and Bill can provide much more detail about this than I have, but uh, we, we've been around since 1979. And, um, you know, when we're, when we're super active, which in the spring, summer, and fall we usually are, we, uh, we have multiple activities every weekend. And they can range from anything from very strenuous hikes in um, Shenandoah National Park to urban walks around uh, around DC, including Rock Creek Park. And uh, you know, some of our most most popular things are like the Cherry Blossom Festival walk and activities like that. We used to do a lot more of kayaking and bicycling. We're trying to get back into doing more of it. Yes. Well, so one of our uh, specialties is um, that we offer um, um, uh, carpool coordination um, so that for folks that might live in the city and um, don't have vehicles, 
to get out to some of the locations um, in the great outdoors in the mountains might be like a two hour drive. And so we meet up at um, um, the metros uh, stations in in the area and then uh, find drivers that can carpool people out to um, the trailheads or wherever the activity begins. That sounds great. Um... Do you guys, are your events typically one-day events? Do you do overnight trips as well? The majority of our events are one-day events, but uh, we do do an awful lot of weekends also. Like we will, um, anything from camping, and, or we also we also have activities where we um, take, take long weekends, like at the Big Meadows Lodge in Shenandoah or at Deep Creek Lake in Western Maryland, and um, this this year, we're going to be doing a uh, week long event in Arizona. Oh wow, that sounds exciting! What are you guys going to be doing in Arizona? It's going to be a variety of variety of different things. We've rented an Airbnb out there, and we're going to be doing like along the Grand Canyon Rim. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the details are are blanking out on me right now, but. <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> Um, we're, we're going to, we're going to be doing some sort of like, you know, hiking, hiking activity every day or, or, or a tour of the area. And then of course we're going to have a lot of fun, uh, cooking, cooking and, uh, sharing a big Airbnb with, uh, you know, 12 of our best friends. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, Tell us a little bit about who is adventuring. Are you? How big is your organization? How many people are in it? Do you tend to trend mostly male, female, or non-binary age things like that? Yeah. So I would say we're we're a mixture of both um, gay, lesbian, bi, and transgender um, are all welcome to our group. Um, and um, I would say there are some folks that um, that um, Basically, you, we have no membership, so the way to keep in touch with us is to um, be connected to our meetup uh, page where you can see um, the different activities that are um, being planned, and you can use meetup to RSVP to that activity and to kind of make arrangements for carpooling if you need it or what have you, or in the case of Arizona, kind of commit ahead of time to signing up for that, that uh, you know, that that uh, tr that trip, um, and um, also uh, we have a Facebook page where people can learn more about us and see what we're doing. And I would say that there's probably some we have like probably some core members that are out with us on a regular basis, and then we have um, on Meetup we have um, thousands of other people who once in a while decide they would like to get together with a group an LGBT group and um, go on a hike. And so we, we'll, we'll um, see them maybe a couple times a year. We also have um, a social aspect to, to what we do. And so um, about um, a, a couple, about three or four times a year, we have um, a potluck social where pe people are um, able to come and, and meet people maybe before they go on a hike and, and meet the other um, trip leaders that plan the hikes or the other activities. Um, and um, we also have a, a summer picnic in Rock Creek Park in the summer. 
and um and so there's a social aspect too besides just being together um for the outdoor activity great and you said um you have a meetup group what's the name of the group yeah the meetup group is uh adventuring lgbt uh outdoors group okay and your facebook page is it's the same um and so um adventuring lgbt if you just uh google or you uh, search for that it'll come up but adventuring is a group for um you know the washington dc area because most of our activities except for um some of these long distance ones that we're we're doing is a kind of a a vacation trip um most of them are something that you can that are planned um in in places that you can get to by car from the washington dc area get involved with adventuring um and what brought you to you know going out into the great outdoors as opposed to just being being stay uh staying in the city and um and stuff like that absolutely so i guess when i was uh when um when I first joined uh, adventuring, I was younger and I um, my family had been the beach vacation kind of people and I wasn't allowed to be in Boy Scouts. And so I was like, oh, wow, I'd really like to do all this stuff that people got to do when they were growing up. But my family didn't do. So how can I do that? Ah, Well, there's this group that already has existed for a long time called adventuring. And they, um, you know, a lot of the people are experienced hikers. I could learn from that. So I, I kind of joined and um, I met a lot of friends. I met a partner of many years um, that was in adventuring. And um, so that's how it kind of got started. And then from there, I have um, helped support their efforts. Um, and, and basically, um, I've done that with uh, social media and publicity and promotion in recent years. My, my, my story, my story is just a little bit different than that. You know, Bill was part of the group and then he, then he went out of town and then he came back to the group. And in my case, um, I, I've been in DC for a while and, um, actually I never really thought that an outdoors group was my type of a thing, but then over time it became something a little bit more important for me. And I always laugh when people come up to me and they say, I've been a member of your meetup group for five years, and this is the first time that I actually signed up to do something with you. Because <laughs> I was the same way, though, back in the ancient days when you weren't talking about meetup, you were talking about um, ads in the blade that uh, we used to have every weekend. And I would say, oh, that one looked really good. That one really good. Then the weekend would come again, and I'd lose my nerve to go. And uh, so eventually I did go on one, and then from that point on they couldn't get rid of me. And so I've been pretty much a very active member for the last 14 years, and it's very much of the center of my social group outside of uh, going out and doing hikes, because um, I met a lot of people that I do other things with from adventuring, and I met other people who are connected with adventuring. So it's been very important to me. Hey, Jeff, maybe we should mention um, some of the 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 uh, regular hikes locations of the regular hikes that we do throughout the year um might be good to give a little color to our story okay certainly um as i say we do a wide range of different types of activities and um because we want to have people who haven't gone outdoors at all 
for maybe the last 20 years. They have something for them, as well as the people who are the hardcore who maybe did an Appalachian Trail through hike, you know, two years ago, and they want to continue uh, doing those sort of activities. So we do, during, during the summer, we usually spend a lot of it at Shenandoah National Park because it provides a large variety of of different of different things that we can do from hard harder hikes like White Oak Canyon with its multiple waterfalls but very very steep cliffs to easier hikes where we have one of our most popular hikes we do every year we do multiple versions of it is what we call our blackberry ice cream hike which is where we during when the weather gets super hot in Washington we we go and we only hike in the upper elevations of Shenandoah so that it's sometimes almost 20 degrees cooler up there. And then when we're done, Shenandoah is known for its blackberry ice cream that they make on site. And we always make a point of going somewhere to uh, indulge. And I do mean indulge because they have some unbelievable <laughs> desserts at that place made out of different types of blackberry syrup and blackberry ice cream. So that's, that's one range of the type of activities. And then we have the the stuff where it's just a lot more local because there's some people who don't want to spend a whole day, you know, on a weekend uh, go, going going to the great outdoors. So we we bring the great outdoors to them where it's more of a half day, whether it's Rock Creek Park or whether it's um, in, in some cases we have a particular member who's been with with the group for uh, decades, who's also a um, historical guide. And he, he loves giving Civil War battlefield tours. And he loves giving tours in DC where sometimes it's a it's sometimes it's a gay theme recently on president's day he did one where we went around different monuments to different presidents so we do provide a variety in that case where it's both exercise and you you actually learn something learn learn something historical learn something uh, that that you didn't know before and one of my favorite um, things that we do every year um, it's a weekend um, in the Shenandoah National Park at uh, the Big Meadows Lodge. So um, many of us um, rent a lodge room um, for for overnight. Um, others of us um, get a campsite in the campground that's adjacent to the lodge. And uh, we go up there on a weekend in August, which uh, coincides with the Perseus meteor shower. So we, we plan a hike. Uh, Jeff is usually one of the, is the trip leader for this and plans a hike in a, in a, on a trail in the area of the of Big Meadows Lodge on Saturday. And then we come back and check into our lodge rooms and we have dinner together and we usually close the tap room together. And it's, um, we kind of partner with the, um, the rock climbing group, the Capital Climbers, who also plan an event to um, rock climb uh, Stony, Stony Man, which is uh, nearby um, the uh, Big Meadows Lodge. And so we, um, we usually um, have dinner together or have drinks together at the tap room or breakfast the next morning before we go on our second day of hiking on Sunday and before we return back to Washington. And that's one of my favorites. And it's always nice to um, be there with the rock climbers. Right. Which are also Team DC members. 
And I just want to throw in, if it's not clear, we don't only do outdoor activities. This isn't just big meadows. We always try to make a point of um, doing a, um, to, to, make it, to make it a social event. So like when we go out for a long hike in Shenandoah or in Massanutten Mountain, instead of just coming right back to DC, we find a place to have dinner together out in, somewhere in Virginia. We also try to do the same thing when with Rock Creek Park. I've been doing some Rock Creek uh, hikes and making a point that we all end up at the LGBTQ-owned uh, brew pub Denizens in Silver Spring, so that uh, we we help the community as well as uh, indulge ourselves after after doing a strenuous outing. That all sounds like fun, and you had me at the uh, blackberry ice cream. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a selling point right there that y'all can, you know, exploit a little bit, work off some calories, and then, uh, you know, gain them again. That's the idea. It's worked for a, lot, for, uh, for a lot of us. So how important do you think it is to join a adventuring group like this, but that's primarily made up of uh, LGBTQ members i think it gives um there's the social aspect to it i mean if all you people wanted to do is just to go on a hike well one they could do it by themselves or two they could join many of the other mainstream groups that exist and you might make friends but um you know it's kind of nice to have a connection with um it's a lot easier to uh, have a connection with other lgbt and i know that um I'm an example and, and others over the years who have actually met life partners while on uh, hikes with our group. So, um, you know, the, 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 that's something that would be a lot difficult to do in a more mixed uh, mainstream group. Um, so it has that, it's the, it's the social aspect that's great. And it's the um, being part of the, the Washington, D.C. LGBT community. And that's why we like being um, part of the Team DC uh, network of of um, sports enthusiasts and and um, and and we like to participate uh, with Team DC both at Capital Pride their fundraising efforts um, that they do um, at the Night of Champions etc. Um, we're definitely um, uh, been a long supporter of the of Team DC and their efforts. Yeah, I just wanted to throw in that the um, when the group started, if you read the original bylaws, they make it very clear that, like we're talking about the early 80s, that one of the benefits was this was a safe space for gays and lesbians to actually enjoy the great outdoors together because there weren't very many safe spaces for that sort of activity. And um, nowadays, it, that, isn't, that isn't so important, thank God. But um, it's still a fantastic social outlet, and like 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 Bill, I mean, I just enjoy ha having the camaraderie with felt with fellow fellow people that uh, we we can talk about things that you might be a little more guarded to talk about if you just joined one of the one of the traditional hiking groups. So I don't think anybody would condemn you for doing that. But uh, I I just feel it's a it's a lot it's a lot more fun, and we also definitely have a lot more fun when we do the social side of these um, activities since we're all, you know, thinking somewhat the same way. I remember a funny story where there was like, um, I was leading a hike up at Harper's Ferry and there's a shuttle bus that everyone has to take to get down to the trailhead. 
and a group came and apparently there was a trip leader whose name was Jeff and these people had never done anything with us before and they took the shuttle bus down with this other group and then suddenly realized listening to the conversation oh my god we didn't get it this is not the LGBTQ group <laughs> and uh, you know and suddenly I'm getting this frantic call where are you guys where are you guys <laughs> Uh, you can figure that one out on a bus ride for sure. <laughs> the other thing I'd like to mention is that um, we're, we've all, we always have had um, an, an influx and interest of younger people. Um, you know, it's a, a great first stop for them um, to in the LGBT community to find a group to be with that they can relate to, to stuff that they already love in their lives. Um, and something that's, you know, is a, we, we, you know, from early on, we were always a great alternative to the bar scene. Um, but, um, we, we continue to have, um, young people, um, join us. And I would say right now there's kind of a surge in interest in hiking amongst the younger folks. So, um, and we're, we're happy that we've, um, uh, have, a um, the experience to, of, of organizing this um, because there's a great, there's a great deal of interest these days. Right. I just wanted to say that we're very open-minded. We actually allow straights to come with us on hikes occasionally, you know, they, they, <laughs> and, and usually, yes, of the people of our, the members. Yes. They bring and, their and family you, members and such. Yes. And, and usually they're younger people who uh, say, well, I hope you don't mind if we can, you know, if if we come along and it's like talk about a big difference from when the group started in the early 1980s yeah i mean that's really cool but it's also something to be really proud about there's not that many organizations you know even here in dc or other places that have lasted that long you know since the 80s so that's really uh something to be proud of well we are absolutely. and bill bill especially made sure that we we knew the history because we we just had our 40th anniversary back in 2019 so it was and uh bill it was interesting when he brought he brought it up and i thought oh this would be nice we'll have like one hike or something where we'll remember the sort of thing well he brought back you know people from the history and uh people who who the people who actually led our very first hike he's also like completely documented our history and uh, it's going to the rainbow history project uh, we've talked a lot about hikes and other events like that. I just wanted to ask, do you guys do any regular winter events? Oh, oh yes, definitely. We, uh, we don't, we don't stop. Usually they're, they're, they're not, they're not as frequent. When I say we many times do multiple activities on weekends in the, in the spring and summer and fall, we may do one activity on a winter week, on a winter weekend. A lot of them are closer in because the days aren't as long. So going out to Shenandoah is like a two and a half hour drive each way. So then if you do a four or five hour hike, then you are um, talking about, you know, finishing in darkness or if something happens where you're a little bit, takes a little bit long, more, more time than you thought, you definitely are finishing in darkness. So we do a lot of things that are closer in, but we definitely stay, stay very active and there are, Fewer people usually sign up for these, but 
there are those who are dedicated and continue going no matter what the temperature is and no matter how much snowfall there is or um, or how much i had i had one which we had a lot of fun a couple of years ago we called the ice hike and white oak canyon hat in shenandoah is full of beautiful waterfalls well most of them are frozen over that that day and it had its own particular beauty but only a few mad souls came along with me and one of our most, one of our most attended hikes of the year is actually New Year's Day, where we get at least fifty or more people attending, and uh, it's it's uh, it's held at the Great Falls, Virginia uh, Park, and uh, so everybody like who who we ha who has not been on a hike in forever decides they're going to make a New Year's resolution, and that's the most well attended um, uh, hike of the year. Yeah, it, work, it, it works out. It works out very well because that hike happens to be later than our normal hikes, so it's more of like a, a noon meetup time, so that people can still celebrate the night before and uh, and still get up. And then, as Bill said, New Year's resolution: let's let's start the year off right and do something healthy. That sounds outstanding. Um, I'm really glad that you guys got to join us. It was really fun to talk to you today. Um, I hope that we'll get to do this again sometime. Before we sign off, do you want to just remind everybody where they might find you on the web if they're looking for you? Uh, yeah, first of all, there's a, there is a website. Um, so that is www.adventuring.org. Um, and also, um, the main thing I would recommend is for people who are interested to um, join our group on Meetup because that is the way that they can actually RSVP that they want to actually attend one of our um, activities. And so that again is the Adventuring LGBT um, group on Meetup. Um, and then also look for us, especially if you wanna see uh, photos of what we do and like other discussions about um, not just our activities, but about things going on in, in the outdoors and the national parks and um, to, uh, to um, join our group on Facebook where you can really kind of uh, see and, and and that history we were talking about is also on there as a photo album of our 40 years of, of great outdoors. Thanks so much, Bill and Jeff. Hope to talk to you again soon. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston, a Team DC board member, for the design of our logo. Also, our intro and outro music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com, and our podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend so that we can all keep meeting under the bleachers. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC Vice President Laura Freyer and Team DC Board Member for Fundraising Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the hosts and the participants on Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC. 